And isn't it, isn't it amazing, you know, in the, this isn't a part of the message per se, or at least not the planned message. Uh, you know, in the, in the story of the prodigal son, Jesus tells that in Luke 15, if you want to go read it for yourself, if you're not familiar with it. Um, but at the, end of the, at the end of the chapter, you know, the older brother is very upset that the lost son or the prodigal son comes home and his, his dad throws him a party and he says, what's going on? Here's this guy who did all this bad stuff to you, who wasted all your money, who did all kinds of impure things and lived, the, lived that lifestyle. And when he comes back home the first night, you throw the hugest party and you take the most expensive thing from your, from your field and you, you kill it and we, they, you eat it, you have a big celebration. How come you haven't even let me have just a little bit of something sometime? And the father says to him, Son, you're always with me and all I have is yours. You know, the real job of the older brother would have been to go look for the younger son. And that's why Jesus is our perfect older brother. Is that he came looking for us when we were lost. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Jesus came looking for us. And when the Father welcomes us home, it says in the Bible, have you ever heard, and I heard my dad share this one time, it's kind of a, a little tweak when you read the language of the Bible, sometimes we assume things. Have you ever heard the phrase that says, when someone's saved that the angels rejoice? You've heard that, right? That's not what the Bible says. Check, go check me on it. Anybody here with their phone? It says there is rejoicing before the angels of God in heaven. It's Jesus rejoicing. Some of you guys blew your minds. (laughs) I'm sure the angels join in. I'm not saying they don't. But it says there's rejoicing before the angels because Jesus is celebrating that another prodigal has come home as the perfect example of our older brother in the family of God. Isn't that good? That's so awesome. Amen. Turn to 1 Kings 19. (laughs) We we are going to get to the triumphal entry, but we're going to do two things because we are... Thankfully, uh, the triumph for Anthony, Jesus comes down off of a mountain. <laughs> so it fits in our series of mountains and valleys. Even if it didn't, we, we would have gone there most likely. Uh, but we're going to start and we're going to compare two stories. Uh, and we're going to learn today what God would say about the idea of discerning His voice and discerning His purposes. Because we need discernment right now. We need, we need to know what God is saying right now more than ever. We've always needed it. We're just maybe a little bit more aware. Uh, we've been, it's been b- brought to the forefront of our, of our minds and emotions and uh, situations. And so these are two encounters on a mountain where there's discernment that needs to be fine-tuned. And that's really what I think God wants to do. He wants to fine-tune your discernment to be able to recognize His workings and His voice. 
And so this is a, this is a famous story of Elijah. And Elijah has just had the most amazing victory uh, in all of Scripture. Um, Elijah has, you know, challenged the prophets of Baal to a duel. And God has answered with fire from heaven. And you would think, after you've had the most amazing encounter with God, and God's done something amazing through you, that then you would just go to another mountain and just like, yeah! But let's look at what Elijah does. He doesn't do that. Verse 1 of 1 Kings 19, Holy Spirit, open the Scriptures, we read it. Let us understand it, lead us into truth. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So Jezebel was the evil queen, of course. She was married to Ahab, who was the king of Israel. They were not following God. But Elijah had challenged, you know, their religious system, their worship of, of false gods and ultimately demonic things. And they had won the victory and displayed before the whole nation who is the one true God. Yes, Jesus, or well, yeah, Jesus. Yahweh is the one true God. They didn't say Jesus yet. Sorry. Um, so right after that, Jezebel is upset. And so she sends a threat to Elijah and says, I'm going to chop off your head, basically. Your, your head, heads will roll because of this. Look what Elijah does. Elijah has just won an amazing victory, and it says this. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Which is crazy, because he just saw actual fire come out of the sky and burn up a sacrifice that he said would happen, and it did happen, and he just saw it. He just saw the most amazing victory to turn the nation back to, back to the one true God. I mean, he should have been riding into town with a big banner that said, Yahweh God, and said, yeah, let's go. But he's afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there which is a key thing. Uh, and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came to a broom bush, he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Now, not only is he in fear, he is in deep depression. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was, was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. So I want to stop here and we're, we're going to continue on where we, where we get the discernment part here. But you have to understand that Elijah was dealing with something that's real. 
Depression is real, right? Many of you know that personally. Did you notice one of the mistakes Elijah made when he was on this journey? It says he left his servants. The challenge is when we're battling discouragement, a spirit of heaviness, Ronnie, or depression, whether it's just spiritual or a combination of physiological and spiritual and emotional. I mean, there's so many facets. We're body, soul, and spirit. We're affected by so many different things. Elijah went off by himself. It's never a good idea to just stay by yourself when you're in that place. Now, the amazing part about this, and even though Elijah is afraid and running, he is, he's in this dark place, God shows up and meets him where he is. And so I encourage you, if you are battling discouragement or heaviness or depression in your life, that God is going to meet you. That He promises to meet with you. That doesn't mean we don't get help from other people. It doesn't mean we don't tell someone. It doesn't mean we don't go to therapy sometimes. It doesn't mean we don't need counseling. We need all the good things that God gives. Every good thing that God, every good gift that's in this world is from God. And so we can use all those things uh, directed by the Lord and encouraged by those in the faith community that speak into our lives. But God's going to meet us. The Lord is going to meet us in a place and He's going to give us something that's going to refresh us and sustain us. And so if that's you right now, I just want to pray right now. If, if that's what you're battling, either right now or you, you battle it in cycles. You're, maybe you have cycles in your, uh, whether that's emotionally or physically. In the name of Jesus right now. We break the power of depression over our lives. Jesus, we declare you as Lord of our life. That our feelings are not in charge. Even our bodies are not in charge of us, God. The Holy Spirit, you are in charge. And so help us, O Lord. Help us know who to call. Help us not to leave our friends when we need to have them with us, God. Help us be honest. Help us be authentic, Lord. It's not about pretending that we're not struggling. Help us, help us be honest with you and honest with one another. But we invite you right now, Holy Spirit, you come and fill us. You come and feed us. In Jesus' name, amen. It says that after Elijah was filled, that he walked for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a good lunch right there. <laughs> That's a really good lunch, uh, and it's just bread and water. That's some really good bread. I like bread. Do you like bread? Uh, sorry for those of you who can't eat bread. Um, I love bread. And so Elijah has this encounter with God, and he, he eats. He, I mean, even when we're at our darkest place, sometimes all we, all we can do is just wake up and get one thing from God. And that's all Elijah did. He woke up enough, and the angel, you know, kicks him on the side, and all he does is eats and drinks and goes back to sleep. If that's all you can do, then do it. Receive something from Jesus. Just, just a little bit. Get, get something. If you wake up and you're like, I'm just going to read one scripture. I'm going to will myself. I just op- I'm going to open up the Psalms, and I'm going to read a scripture. I'm going to get truth into my life. And so Elijah is sustained, it says, and he comes to Horeb, which is the mountain of God, which many people, and I feel, is the same mountain as Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. 
So we're going to continue on the second half of verse 9. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I didn't, I didn't remember that was in there. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Lord there in caps, remember that's the divine name of God. That's Yahweh or Jehovah as we've traditionally done it in English. But the Lord is about to pass by. In other words, I'm coming personally to show up here. So then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper or a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his prayer shawl, his cloak, over his face. And he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> Sorry, I just love it. Because <laughs> he has this amazing encounter with God, and God just asks him the same question he just asked him. <laughs> if God asks you the same question twice, it means you didn't get it the first time. <laughs> Sometimes God has to ask me multiple times, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Uh, I think uh, Elijah there is not quite getting it, but that's okay. We don't either, right? Sometimes we, 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 we say the same thing back to God. He asks us the same question. If he asks you a question twice, he doesn't want the answer you gave last time. This is your lifeline. You get another chance. So the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. In other words, get out of here. This is not, you're not in the right place. Get off, the, get off this mountain. And really, more likely, get out of the place you're in, in on the inside. And go down to the desert. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Mehalah to succeed you as prophet. And he has this declaration about Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. And then this important phrase. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel... All whose knees have never or have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You know, basically God answers him and says this. Get back to what I called you to do. And by the way, there's 7,000 others. Not just you. You're not alone. <laughs> You're not alone in this battle. You're not the only one following him. It may seem like it, but I have 7,000 others. So let me correct 
that misrepresentation of reality that you're living in right now and is causing you to be afraid, is causing you to go into despondency and depression. Let me correct your perspective and bring truth into your life because when truth comes into your life and you know the truth, you know the truth and it will what? Set you free. And so then Elijah goes and anoints Elisha and he has a succession and all that. Now I want to pull two things about discernment and discerning God's voice and His purposes in our, li- our lives from this encounter with, with Elijah. Uh, number one is this. We must learn to discern the difference between what God did and what God is doing. I'll say that again for those of you that are taking notes. We must learn... To discern the difference between what God did and what God is doing. How do I get that from this passage? Let me tell you. I've preached it before. I do know this. I've said it at one point in my 14 years here. The first time when God came to the mountain on Mount Sinai, what did it look like? Does anybody know? When... Fire, earthquake. And God was in the wind, God was in the fire, and God was in the earthquake. Now Elijah comes to the same mountain a long time later after Moses. I understand that. But he knew what happened on this mountain. We know Elijah knew what happened on the mountain with God. And all the same things happen. But this time, it's not God. Because that's not what God did. But what is God doing now? What God's doing now, this time, He's not put on a big show. He's quietly whispering. He's inviting you in close. Because you can only hear a whisper when you're close. God, how come you're not talking louder to me? How come I can't hear what you're saying in my life, God? He's saying, I said, I want you to come closer. (laughs) But you can't hear me whisper if you're too far away. And so God invites us. It's an invitation. Never an obligation. It's an invitation to say, come in closer, my son. Come in closer, my daughter. Let me whisper. When you're close enough and I can just whisper. What was it in another scripture? It says that God can direct us with the movement of his eye. You can't do that when you're far away, but you can do that when you're close. When you're close to someone, and when you know someone well, you also can discern just by looking at them, right? Those of us that are married, we that have learned a couple of things, (laughs) only two. I, I don't need my wife to speak sometimes, right? She doesn't even have to say a word. And I know what she's saying. <laughs> Can I get an amen? For those of you that are single, I'm, I'm sorry to use the marriage illustration, but I'm married. So um, some of you may have a really good friend. When you have a really good friend and you can do stuff together, and you can, you can communicate without saying a word. And see, that's what the relationship that God invites us in is the relationship 
the same relationship that Jesus had with the Father. It said he always knew what the Father was doing, and so he did it. So it was like, man, if, I, if he didn't, wasn't hearing the voice from heaven at the moment, he's like, I, I can tell by the look on your face. <laughs> I can tell your mood just by how you're sitting. Isaiah 43 and 19, we can put that up on the screen. It says this, God says, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Our discernment grows when we learn to not just recognize the way God used to do things, but I recognize what He's doing now. Doesn't mean he doesn't sometimes bring back the fire and the earthquake. But I can't just rely on what God did and say, that's the only way that God does things. Or this is the only way that I hear God speak. Because he's inviting us to a living relationship with him. So the second thing from Elijah's encounter on the mountain is this. We must learn to discern the difference between our perspective and God's perspective. We must learn to discern the difference between our perspective and God's perspective. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, you can put this one up too, it says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth... So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, Elijah's perspective was that he was the only one. But it wasn't true. His his whole response to life, can you imagine that? His entire response to his situation in life was based on a lie. When your response to life is based on a lie, you will always end up in a dark place because your perspective is not true. So all the emotions, although they feel real, they're not true. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? When I say our emotions... They're real. We're not telling you to to deny our emotions or not pretend they're there. But are they true of reality? Sometimes no. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they aren't where I'm like, I'm getting all excited or I'm getting angry or I'm getting fearful or I'm getting anxious or I'm getting judgmental. Whatever is coming out, you're like, what is going on right now? Well, am I looking at truth? My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. I love the New Living Translation. brings out kind of a nuance there. My thoughts are, they're, they're nothing like your thoughts. But we can see this in the story of the triumphal entry. Today is Palm Sunday, as we said earlier. So let's turn to Luke 19. We're going to pull out a couple more things from Luke 19 about discernment. Discerning God's purposes. Discerning His voice. Discerning what he's, what he's really doing. So it's Luke 19, verse, starting in verse 28. Luke 19, it's, it's in Matthew as well, uh, 21 and John 12. 
Uh, they all bring out a different nuance of this encounter. Verse 28 says this, And after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, there's the mountain, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went out and found it just as he has told them. As they were stealing the donkey, excuse me, untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. You can't try that. Just, let, uh, just to know, just so you know. It, it's, it only worked for the triumphal entry, okay? They brought it to Jesus, threw, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You'll see Luke doesn't mention the palm branches. It's in one of the other Gospels there. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. See, the Pharisees knew what was going on here. They recognized true worship. Although they didn't practice it, they recognized it. And just as I was saying earlier, the religious spirit will always point the finger at true worshipers and say, stop, stop that. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where Jesus stopped anybody from worshiping. From a true heart of worship. So verse 40, Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Because you did not recognize, because you did not discern the time of God's coming to you. Now Jesus is actually literally speaking of a time in the future where Jerusalem would physically be destroyed by enemies. And so he's, he's speaking prophetically in that moment. But what I want to focus in uh, is, is the verse of they will not, uh, you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. That's really one of the, isn't it one of the saddest things about the, the encounter with uh, the Palm Sunday, the Jesus riding into Jerusalem, uh, the first day of, of, of the week, is that they didn't recognize what he was doing. Some of even the worshipers didn't recognize what he was doing. They joined in the worship, but they weren't joined in with the heart of God and the plan of God. So we must learn to discern between the plans of man and the heart of God. And you may say, well, why didn't, why didn't you word it, we must discern between the plans of man and the plans of God? Because I think when you get his heart, then you'll get the plan. 
As an example, look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16 is where Peter has the encounter with Jesus. And he first declares, Jesus asks the question, Who does everybody say that I am? And Peter says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says, Bingo! Jeopardy double. You win the prize. And guess what? You didn't get this on your own. It was revealed to you by my Father. Basically, you had a supernatural revelation. You heard the voice of God. Sometimes we can act, and we act in truth, and we respond just out of our relationship with God. And guess what? It's the voice of God. It's what He's doing in the moment. We're just we're going with the flow because we're people of the Spirit, we should find ourselves sometimes in places where we just, whoa, that happened. You're like, where did that come from, God? Well, you were hearing my voice and it was revealed to you. You just went with it. You didn't even think about it. Isn't that, well, that's a great place to be. Lord, help us get there a lot more often. But then, just a minute later, Jesus says, and guess what? As amazing as it is to call me Messiah... I'm going to be handed over to the leaders, the religious leaders, and they're going to kill me. And Peter, my wife loves to preach on this passage, so she's not in here. She preaches on it all the time, I know. Mentions it every other sermon. Peter pulls Jesus aside. He forsakes social distancing. (laughs) Pulls him aside. And said, Jesus, let me show you what's up, bro. Let me tell you, this can't happen. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. He calls him the devil. Because he says, you don't have in mind the plans of God but the plans of man, or the purposes of God, the purposes of man. See, the heart of God was to give His Son. That was God's heart, and that was God's desire. And it was out of His heart that His purposes were brought into reality. Because God is never going to bring anything out into reality for His purposes if it doesn't come from His heart. And so when we're connected to God's heart, we're more likely to find ourselves going along with the purposes of God in our personal life, in our family life, and in our life in this world. But if we get ourselves connected to another, to our own heart, our own emotions, our own desires, we get off track. Because not everything we want is from God, right? Not everything we desire or think should happen. I'm not going to go into the election, okay? I declare that right now. (laughs) The plan for, my plan for America, or our plan for the United States of America. Guess what? God didn't consult you. (laughs) Did he, Michael? He didn't check in with me. He's never checked in with me. But what is God doing then? What are the purposes of God right now? God didn't check in with me in 2020 about a pandemic. 
and say, is it all right if I bring, if, I, if, I, if this is allowed on earth? I don't want to get into the theology of, you know, did God send it? How does God allow these things? Blah, blah, blah. That's a different... Talk to Dave about that. <laughs> Are you watching? Okay, they're, they're taking the weekend off. They're getting some good rest. So, you know, how does that all play out? But, but it doesn't matter how that all plays out. I have to say right now, it doesn't matter what I think should or shouldn't happen in life. My job is if I align myself to the heart of God, I'm more likely to join in with the purposes of God. The purpose of God in that moment was to ultimately lead Jesus to death. Isn't it amazing? Jesus was on a death march and people were celebrating, and rightfully so. The worship was correct because the death of Jesus is something to be celebrated and praising, praise God for. But they missed, they didn't discern God's purposes. The disciples didn't discern God's purposes. They were still off on, you know. I mean, Peter, if he was even thinking about it, he probably wasn't. But can you think, Peter's like going, I remember that thing. Remember Jesus said that thing about getting arrested? Look at this, man. We're getting arrested, man. We're going in to take charge. (laughs) Jesus is about to go sit on the throne. And I'm really close to him. I might get some benefits here. (laughs) And so they were all, they all missed it. Every single one of them didn't realize, yes, this is a time for celebration, but it's a celebration of a Messiah going to lay down his life as an act of love and worship to the Father. The second thing from this passage is this. We must learn to discern that Jesus is always moving forward. What do I mean by that? As amazing as the triumphal entry was in that moment, that wasn't where Jesus was going. He, was, he doesn't want to go back and say, let's do that again. We're just going to repeat this amazing time over and over again. Let's run it again. Let's find a different mountain. I mean, isn't that what we do as, as like, especially maybe Pentecostal, you know, spirit-filled people? Sometimes we're like, oh, God did it that way. Let's find another mountain. <laughs> we'll get up on the mountain. Get the donkey. Hey, go find somebody else we can steal a donkey from. For just, We'll bring it back. <laughs> promise we're gonna find another mountain let's do that again that was amazing that was awesome the people were throwing down their clothes or tearing off the palm branches everybody's worshiping god jesus rebukes the pharisees we love that part too he says the rocks are going to cry out we're going to find all the mountains every single mountain we're going to go to all the mountains and we're going to come down the mountain with the palm branches and jesus is going to ride in in victory in every city but that was then That was one time. Several days later, Jesus is on the cross. And all the disciples have left him. Except for one. Who kind of ends up there at the foot of the cross. John the Beloved. Got a good name. (laughs) 
But it doesn't even stop at the cross. Because the cross, he goes to the resurrection three days later. And then he rises again and he comes to the disciples. And he appears to them over a period of 40 days. And he's appearing to them. And you know what? The disciples are probably thinking, hey, this is, this is pretty cool. Jesus is alive and he keeps showing up. And he, he like walks through the walls and stuff. It's really incredible. And all this stuff is going on. Maybe this is, we're going to keep doing this over and over. We're going to keep having appearances of Jesus. And then Jesus goes up on the mountain. <laughs> and he leaves. And all the disciples just were, they had to, God had to send angels down to say, go home, it's over. <laughs> He's going to come back the same way, but it's, it's going to be a couple years. <laughs> now go back and do what he said. Go back and wait. Because God's always moving forward. God's purpose is always moving forward. He's not trying to get back to the revival that happened 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. He's not saying, that was cool, let's do that again. Jesus only had to die once. Jesus only rose from the dead once. Jesus only ascended to heaven once. And Jesus is only coming back once. In between that time, what is He doing? He's moving us forward in His purposes, but we've got to stay aligned to His heart. Because if you're close to the heart of God, then you'll recognize His purposes. Even when they look crazy. Even when they don't look like we want them to look. Uh, because obviously, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He's doing something new. And we're trying to do the old. It's human nature in some ways. We just want to... We we're creatures of habit. We want to go back and say, that's the way it works. And so, hey, you know what? As the church, we've got to learn that too. The way we did church 30 years ago doesn't work anymore. I'm really off track now if I go too far on this. <laughs> Somebody help me. Back in the day, all you did was have a great church service. You just had good worship and you had a great preacher and people would flock in. But that's what God was doing in the 70s. When Jack Hayford was the pastor and he, the word and the spirit. Those of us that get to be pastors later, we got two choices. We can go, oh man, let's, wasn't that amazing? God, how come it can't be like that? Like that was, look, it looks so easy. I know it wasn't easy. I'm not, but from our perspective, it's like, oh, that was easy. All they did was do this and it just, it just happened. God's like, I was doing that. That's what I was doing. I'm doing something different now. I'm going to grow the church differently now. We're, we're, it's going to be a little more organic. It's not going to be so much about uh, a Sunday gathering. It's going to be people who are living lives and touching them in the community. It's going, to, it's going to look like small groups of people getting together in homes. It's going to look like people loving their neighbors where they're at. It's not going to be come and hear. It's going to be go and do. We have got to move forward. 
So you're like, what does that mean for me personally? Well, don't get stuck. Always turning back. Oh man, remember when? That's how you know you're stuck in it. Oh, back when that was so amazing. It was amazing. But God's probably not doing that now. I'm getting old enough where I start finding myself doing that. Oh, remember back when we used to do... (laughs) When I was younger, I used to hate that. Come on, you old people. (laughs) Get over it, man. It's new time. It's our season now. We're like 21 and full of energy and we're going to take the world for Jesus. Now that I'm double 21 plus more, like, oh, round, remember back? <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> and we've got to catch ourselves and say, okay, am I stuck? The only thing we go to the past for is for the faithfulness of God. Like we did in our worst time, we remember, okay, God, you did that miracle. But it, it helps me believe for now, what are you going to do now, God? So God wants to release and fine-tune our discernment of His voice and His purposes. So let's stand. Let me pray over you, and then we're going to bring our leaders up for prayer time. Lord, we, we just, right now, we surrender to You. We just, we just lay our lives at Your feet. And first of all, Lord, we would just say we want to be close to Your heart. Help us get closer so we can hear the whisper. Help us get closer so we can... Sense the love that you have for us. The love that you have for someone else that's around us, God. Let us catch your heart so that we can line up our heart with your heart. Lord, then we'll worry about what to do. But get our, get our hearts right. Get our hearts right, Jesus. Get our hearts in the right place so that we can do the right things. Lord, I just pray for discernment. Lord, I pray that in this season where there's so much change in our world, there's so much change going on in our nation, there's changes every day with all kinds of stuff, let us us fine-tune our discernment that, Lord, you don't change, but you're doing a new thing. How does that work, Lord? Help Help us know that you're staying the same even when you're doing something new so we can trust your character, we can trust your heart as you do something new. Lord, I, I pray for new, new things to be birthed in hearts. Lord, I pray for fresh vision in hearts. I pray for those that have sat on the sidelines and said, I'm just, God's not going to use me anymore right now. Wake up. Wake up and know God has a fresh vision for your life. That you're not done yet. If you're still breathing, then God still has a purpose for your life. In the name of Jesus, I call vision and intimacy and discernment into your hearts. And Lord, we break off anything that would line us up with a pharisaical religious spirit or that would would line us up with a humanistic spirit like Peter had to say, we're going to establish a kingdom here on earth. We're about your kingdom, God, and let us see with the eyes of eternity. Give us an eternal perspective, Lord, that we can, we can discern what's happening in the true reality of the kingdom of God. And no matter what, Lord, help us just worship you. Help us do it with joy. Help us honor you. 
Lord, if we're celebrating something that's going to be a sacrifice, Lord, let us celebrate anyway. Let us bring the sacrifice of praise. Something that costs us something. Where we go, Jesus, I didn't want this. This isn't the way I want it to be. But I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give you the glory. And I'm going to be amazed at what you're going to bring about in this. Because we can't see it all and my thoughts aren't enough. My thoughts are not enough, God. We've got to have your thoughts and your purposes. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, our leaders are going to be up here. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you need healing in your body.